Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we've we've made it to December. It's the first day of December. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, g- good morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's another nice Saturday. It's a little warmer. Uh, boy, I tell you, this week it really turned cold on us. It seems like uh, winter winter is upon us. Um, you know, it's uh, pretty amazing to me. But, uh, of course, uh, as we get older, the the days, the years just seem to fly past. And the fact that it's already December. Now, of course, it is appropriate now to have our Christmas trees up and, yes. and uh, to be listening to Christmas music. It's fair game. <laughs> and, and and it is it is nice. I, truthfully, I... I uh, I enjoy the the Christmas music this time of year. Now, frankly, I I don't uh, like to see um, uh, big Christmas to dos at at Halloween, <laughs> and that it seems like uh, that's happening more and more. But at the same time, uh, now it is uh, December, and it's official. Christmas season, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful time. It really is. And uh, I know you're in the festive mood. You've got your uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas tie on. So I'm, I'm admiring that, Bill. Yes. You're, uh, <laughs> you're playing the part for the season. That's good. And speaking of, uh, I don't know, the, the Grinch, let's, let's talk a little bit about some big lies when it comes to government assistance, because there's so much misinformation out there. Well, you are exactly right. And I, I think this is a good time to talk about it uh, because this is a time when families get together and they realize that they have loved ones that have a greater need than they uh, thought might uh, be the case. And so uh, you have to start out with the fact that uh, when, when folks have long-term care needs. Now, what do I mean by that? You know, because that, you know, for somebody who's not, doesn't have it, you know, it's like, well, what's he talking about? And it's not a matter of getting older, although people who get older tend to have more problems than than young (laughs) folks, that's for sure. But it's not just aging, uh, although, you know, part of aging is normal in terms of things like our, when you get uh, close to 80, most people, their brains do, in fact, slow down. Uh, so it's pretty normal for folks to be a little more forgetful or at least to process things a little bit slower than they did before. But And that's not dementia, and it's important for folks to realize that. And sometimes it's difficult to, to know the difference. Uh, most older people have some mobility uh, issues. You know, they, it's harder to walk, it's harder to get around, it's hard to get up out of the chair. Um, and not everybody has those problems, obviously, but a lot of folks uh, do. And that can be just normal aging. Um, but the bottom line is, is that uh, folks do tend to become more frail uh, over time. And then there can be medical issues that also uh, significantly impact your ability to do things. And so long-term care tends to be mostly about uh, people who need help with the activities of daily living. And when now that's a catchphrase. It's a medical phrase, really. 
that means that uh, you need some assistance. It doesn't mean somebody has to do everything for you, but some assistance with dressing. It, it may mean that uh, you may not be able to button buttons anymore or tie your shoes anymore. And truthfully, most seniors, when they have issues, find a way to accommodate the fact that they can't do what they used to be able to do. In other words, uh, I see you're wearing a beautiful purple sweater today, uh, but it has no buttons. Uh, so guess what? If you couldn't you know, button your buttons, you probably would wear something like what you have on today. Right. <laughs> you know, um, a beautiful pullover sweater. Or if you can't tie your shoes, then you might start wearing loafers or slip-ons uh, as opposed to, in other words, shoes that you don't have to tie anymore. Or a shoe that might have a Velcro type of latch rather than than uh, shoestrings. So, um, so. You need assistance dressing. You need uh, someone to help you step into the shower. Or, um, in, in other words, maybe the fact that you can't stand up in a shower. So you have to sit down and someone help you with your your shower or your bath. Or you may have uh, a difficulty uh, in toileting. And so you need some assistance. It doesn't mean somebody has to do everything for you, but some assistance means if somebody else was not there to assist you, you'd be in trouble. Um, so it can be any uh, thing like that. It, it might be that you can bring a fork to your mouth, but you don't have the dexterity to cut your meat up. <laughs> and and you can't eat applesauce all the time. <laughs> so, uh, you know... Uh, those are the kind of things that uh, oftentimes seniors uh, must deal with, and most seniors uh, certainly do a pretty good job of accommodating themselves uh, to the best that they can. And uh, married couples will help each other out, you know, those kinds of things. But our healthcare system is not based on long-term care at all. In fact. Our health insurance doesn't cover long-term care. Um, in fact, that is the big, big, big safety net hole. In other words, there is no safety net in our system to, to any great degree when it comes to long-term care. Um, the, the only way that folks can protect themselves from that uh, catastrophe is long-term care insurance. And guess what? It's ex it, it's perceived to be expensive. Uh, and I now, and in terms of dollars, it is expensive. In terms of risk, it's actually fairly cheap. But that a lot of folks don't understand what I mean by that. And most people wait too long to even think about it. Uh, and so when they get around to it, it's too expensive for them. You know, if, if you buy long-term care insurance at an earlier age, like in your 40s or 50s, when it's the farthest from people's minds, you're, having even, you're not even thinking about retirement yet, <laughs> okay? But that's actually the time that people – at this point, should be looking at buying long-term care insurance. If they have a group plan when they're young, 
In other words, if you start out with a company that offers a long-term care benefit package when you're 20 years old, you'll you'll laugh at me, but you should take it <laughs> and keep it and keep it going forever because it might only cost you 20 or 30 bucks a month for the rest of your life if you take it that young. Uh, but if you wait until you're 60, guess what? You might have already had a medical problem that keeps you from even buying it. Um, you might be rated, so it's twice as expensive, or you're just not you, you're uninsurable at all. Um, it's sort of like life insurance, but it's actually harder to get than life insurance. Um, so it's um, it's it's an interesting phenomenon. Now, when I say that it's cheap, I'm not talking about in dollars. I'm talking about when you're paying for shifting risk from you to someone else. Uh, in other words, the insurance company. And what I compare it against, and you've heard me talk about this before, that a long-term care crisis for most families, if they're uninsured, is like having your home burned down with everything in it with no insurance coverage at all. That's a lot to take out away from you. And But Everybody, or just about everybody, has homeowner's insurance. And the primary reason that that people have that insurance is to cover a catastrophic fire. Well, guess what? The risk of losing your home is extraordinarily minimal. I mean, it's less than one one one-hundredth of a percent. And so whatever you're paying for your homeowner's insurance, and for most folks, that's somewhere – Eight nine hundred dollars up to several thousand dollars a year is horribly expensive insurance because the risk that's actually being covered is virtually no risk at all. I mean, there is some risk. I mean, you do hear about fires, and then when you hear things about like what's going on in California, where a whole community has burned down, that's that's pretty horrifying. But I'm talking about here in North Carolina. <laughs> now, we've had floods and we've had other catastrophes, but, but the bottom line is uh, that our homeowner's insurance is horribly expensive for the risk that's actually being insured. Whereas with long-term care, you've got about a 50-50 risk as a younger person, and it goes up. Once you're 65, the risk is higher and higher and higher. And so when you look at the cost versus the risk, long-term care insurance is actually a bargain. But it's still, in dollars, it's still very expensive. So the younger you get it, the less expensive it is. And that's, that's part of the secret. Now, with that, and I've gone on too long, that's sort of like me, but I know my listeners understand that I go on and on sometimes. Uh, you know, what I really want to talk about is the fact that our health insurance does not cover long-term care. So, And that's, truthfully, it's because our health system is so screwed up, if you get right down to it. Um, because it only covers acute care. You know, if if you break your arm, if you suffer from a, you know, cancer or or and you need treatment, then the healthcare system is going to take care of you if you have insurance, if you have health insurance. But it's not going to cover you if you have dementia 
or if you have Parkinson's or things like that, you're basically on your own for, for those kinds of, of things. So that's a health system issue. So what I really want to talk about is all of the uh, half-truths, or if, you, if truthfully, because of those, they really are, for most of us, big lies when it comes to how folks can get financial help you know, what safety net is out there to help families? Because how many folks can afford 5000 to $10,000 a month to pay somebody to take care of them? And the bottom line is, is nobody can afford that unless you're just extremely wealthy. Um, and so everybody needs help. That's just the truth of the matter. Um, if they have a long-term care issue and most families will suffer a long-term care issue. So it's like, okay, how do we deal with that? Now, I know we have to take a break. So when we, when you let me come back, <laughs> we'll talk about some of those big lies. We will let you come back, Bill, and we will get to those big lies because there are plenty of them out there. So much misconception around uh, government assistance. So we will get to that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. And this morning we are about to discuss the big lies of government assistance, Bill. And you mentioned that there are some half truths in here, but uh, those do sort of tend to become big lies. Absolutely. So let's talk about probably the biggest one out there and it's there are two of them and they're related to each other okay so what are they the first big lie is that you have to be poor in order to receive medicaid if you need nursing facility care okay and the interrelated lie is that if you get rid of all your property, the government will take care of you, okay? And the bottom line is both of those lies are lies. I mean, they're basically not true. There is some truth in there, but therein lies the problem because people uh, basically embrace the lie rather than the side of it that is true, okay? So... What am I talking about? Sorry. Right, let's first start with the Medicaid lie. Okay. Now, you have to understand that Medicaid is a great big program, and it's more than one program. It's a bunch of different programs. And so um, the biggest part of the Medicaid program has nothing to do with long-term care. All right? The biggest part of the Medicaid program uh, basically gives uh, basic health insurance for folks who are very poor, all right? And that's a good thing. That's a safety net thing. And that's where the majority of the Medicaid money goes when people talk about Medicaid, all right? However, the Medicaid program 
I'm talking about, the one where people are grasping the wrong end of the story, if you will, because in essence, there are Medicaid programs that requires you to be relatively poor, very low income, and very few assets. And the biggest part of the Medicaid program is that way. But I'm not talking about that program. I'm talking about seniors or others, but primarily seniors. You have to be over 65, blind or disabled, and need nursing facility care. Now, if that's the part of the Medicaid program that you're talking about, you don't have to be dirt poor in order to receive it. In fact, there is no net worth cap related to Medicaid for nursing facility care. Um, And what I try to tell folks, the other way to say it, is that middle-class people, without having to get rid of all your property, can qualify for that particular Medicaid program without having to get rid of everything. You know, that's, that's where the big lie is. And so, in essence, uh, this is where families need the most financial assistance because if you go into a nursing home, the private pay rate, at least in this area, is over $7,000. I mean, uh, in most of the facilities. I'm not going to say every facility charges it because they're all private businesses and some charge less than others. But the average in this area is about $7,500, and and some of the facilities charge more than that on a monthly basis. And so that just sort of blows you away when you see the the cost. Now, the good news is there are some facilities that are very good facilities that actually cost less than $7,000. And the average nursing home cost around the state is getting close to seven thousand. It's actually a little less than that, sixty-eight, sixty-nine hundred dollars a month on average. But you have to, purely, for the most part, go into the rural areas to find um, uh, uh, costs in that in that range. But and and the other thing is, uh, and another related lie is that if you're on Medicaid, your your care's not as good as if you're privately paying. Not true at all. And in fact, that is blatantly illegal. If a facility tries to do it, they'd be shut down pretty fast. Uh, and so, it's it's really important. And uh, uh, but but the thing here's here's some of the things that folks need to know. Did you know uh, when it comes to facility-based, in other words, nursing facility Medicaid, that you can still own a house that's worth more than a half million dollars, and you can and you can get on Medicaid without any problem? Did do you do you realize that you could actually? Well, let me put it this way: Do you think you can own a Rolls Royce and be on Medicaid? Uh, My gut would say no. Well, most people would say no, but the truth is you can. There's only one one little problem with it. Do you know what that is? What's that? You can only have one. Just one, okay. <laughs> okay. So, no. Now, I don't know of anyone who has a Rolls Royce on Medicaid. However, you can. The rule is that you can have one vehicle of any value, any value, 
And so, yes, you can own a Rolls Royce. You can own a Bentley. You can own a, a one of those great big RV buses. You can any one motor vehicle. Now, you can only have one. And that's true whether you are single or married. In other words, a married a, a single person can have a Rolls Royce, and that's the only vehicle, and that, that vehicle would be exempt. A married c- couple can have one Rolls Royce, and after that, the second vehicle is a countable vehicle. So, you know, most married folks, not everybody, but most married folks do have two vehicles. So one will be counted to the community spouse. And in other words, you can be on Medicaid, no problem whatsoever. First vehicle's not counted. Any other vehicles would be a countable resource, all right? But, you know, when they talk about resources for Medicaid, they are talking about countable resources, and so I'm not going to go into detail, but the thing about it is you have to – some assets are countable. Some assets are not countable. So, for instance, your home place that's worth over a half million dollars is not a countable resource. Your Rolls-Royce, your first vehicle, is not a countable resource. And so when they're talking about what you uh, can't have, it's always dealing with countable versus non-countable resources. And that's why – Professional help makes a big difference because how many folks knows what know what is countable and what's not countable, and it's all about having non-countable property if you want to be eligible for Medicaid. But the bottom line is, if you can have a half million dollar home, it's actually more than a half million. Uh, I'm just rounding down, and you can have a Rolls Royce. And the community spouse often can have up to $123,600 in countable property, okay? Um, and then you you can have an unlimited amount of property that's non-countable. So the bottom line is if – I mean, you can have countable property that's worth, you know, dollars $600,000, $700,000, $800,000 – so does that sound like a poor person? That's countable property we're talking about. <laughs> so, and then you can have an unlimited amount of non-countable property. So again, does that sound like you have to be poor? Well, I hope I've proved my point. The bottom line is you don't have to be poor to be on Medicaid. Now, yeah, most people do need professional help, which that helps my practice, obviously, because that I help a lot of folks uh, in that scenario. Now, let's talk about the other side of that coin because people know about a five-year look back, right? And Medicaid does have a five-year look back. They're not looking for transfers from one spouse to the other spouse. They're looking for transfers or gifts from you to your children and grandchildren. And particularly if you're making uh, gifts to become eligible for Medicaid. That's what the five-year look back is all about. Even though a lot of folks are very generous with their children and grandchildren. And so, uh, you know, the bottom line is there are folks out there, uh, and from my perspective, I think they're making a huge, huge mistake 
that uh, basically come to you and say, well, I want to give everything away five years before I need assistance. Well, okay, everybody raise your hand if, if you know that you're going to need assistance five years later. <laughs> Good luck. But the bottom line is, is let's say you've given everything away uh, and then your children go to Las Vegas and lose your money or do whatever. But the bottom line is, once it's not yours anymore, you don't control it. And most of my clients like control over their assets. That's a really important. Uh, they like independence and they like control. And I do too. And that's important to folks. But, but okay, you've given everything away. Can you still receive assistance? Well, the truth is, is that there, uh, the the where most people need assistance, particularly early on, is another expensive long-term care proposition, and that's for assisted living. So again, your health insurance doesn't cover it. So how much does it cost? Well, the l- lowest price place that I'm aware of for reasonably good assisted living is about $2,000 but most facility a month but most facilities charge $3,500 a month and up and if you have dementia care issues then you start higher you know more closer to $4,500 a month there's there are a couple places that are a little less than that starting out but they can get higher and higher and higher and it's not unusual for, for dementia care to be 6000 to $7,000 a month. Again, all private pay. So can you get assistance if you've given everything away? Well, again, now for special assistance, which is the – it's not Medicaid, even though everybody calls it Medicaid. That's another big lie, another big problem. Because the rules for the assisted living program are totally different from the rules for the – Uh, nursing home. And the bottom line is this. There's a big income cap there. It's very, very low. So the majority of folks cannot get assistance. If you're one penny over the income cap, you're denied. It doesn't matter if you're penniless. It doesn't matter if you've never given a nickel away in your life. If your income from Social Security or any other source is a little over the cap, then you're out of luck. There's no benefit whatsoever. And your income is not enough to privately pay for assisted living. So you're, again, you've fallen through the safety net and you're screwed. And the bottom line is, you know, from my perspective, wouldn't you want to know in advance if you cannot qualify for a program or not? Because, and see, again, that's one of the reasons folks should come to our free seminars <laughs> because, you know, you can get some of this basic information. We feed folks as much information as we can, and it's really important for folks to know when they can actually uh, plan uh, where benefits can be a, a help to them and when they can't. And at the assisted living level, that is uh, that is the big program where mo- a lot of folks, most folks, most middle class folks, cannot receive assistance. And now sometimes one spouse can and the other spouse cannot. That's fairly common too, particularly if you've had one spouse who's been a homemaker uh, during the marriage uh, and their uh, social security check is much much lower. 
But the bottom line is, is that the majority of folks cannot qualify for help at that level. You know, there is help at the nursing facility level, but again, everybody raise your hands who wants to live in a nursing home. <laughs> huh, nobody. Okay. <laughs> I understand. So, you know, the whole trick is how do we stay out of nursing homes, not because we want to go. And that's so, but the big lies are there and folks need to understand what the real truth is. If you need nursing facility and you get some assistance, it is likely that you can get on Medicaid fast. You don't have to wait five years. Almost all of our clients come to us when they're in crisis, not at five years, you know, not five years ahead of time. And it's pretty rare when we have a client where we think a five-year plan is even appropriate for them. So the bottom line is the sooner that people get help, the better. So anyway, I know I've gone on too long, but got lots of other half-truths or big lies to talk about. We've got plenty, and we will get to those. Uh, if you're enjoying some of these tips that Bill is giving you, I highly encourage you to sign up for his December seminar. That is December 12th. Uh, we're only doing a morning and an afternoon session for this month only. We'll go back to three starting in January. But if this is the type of information that you're finding helpful, I highly encourage you to go online to WGALaw.com and register for this month's seminar. A quick break and back with more big lies of government assistance right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with, with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong alongside the man himself, Bill Alexander, and we are going over the big lies of government assistance bill, and you just tackled Medicaid. So what's next? Well, truthfully, Jason, I could go on all day about the, <laughs> the misconceptions, half-truths, big lies when it comes to government assistance. But I haven't tackled Medicaid. There's a lot of other misconceptions out there related to Medicaid, particularly if you need nursing facility care, um, which is the most important um uh, part of the Medicaid program for seniors because that's where you lose all your your resources if you're having to privately pay. Well, another big lie is if I'm already in a nursing home, I can't plan for Medicaid. Not true at all. But it's now why would people think that? Well, first of all, people go to the wrong sources for advice. Who they go to? Oftentimes, they talk to the nursing home staff, you know, like the administrator or uh, someone who's high up in the chain at the nursing home. Well, guess what? Those folks are, what are they going to tell you? Privately pay until your resources are low enough to get Medicaid. They're not going to encourage you to do Medicaid planning. Why? Well, this is a, all these places are private businesses. They're not nonprofits. They want to make a profit. And guess what? They make a whole lot more money if you are privately paying than if you are on Medicaid. And that's just the name of the game. So where else do people go for advice? Unfortunately, sometimes people just go down to the, the 
Department of Social Services, that's where you apply for Medicaid, and try to get advice from the Medicaid social workers. Well, guess what? Number one, they're not paid to give you advice. That's not their job. If you get advice from them, uh, oftentimes it's not particularly good advice because, again, they will tell you that oftentimes, unless you have someone who's experienced, which is unusual, in some of the uh, smaller counties, you know, people have have, uh, worked in the Medicaid office for years, and those folks are knowledgeable, and oftentimes they're helpful, but you're not going to get that kind of advice or any advice at all. You know, they'll just say, well, we can't give advice which is the common thing, or they'll say, well, just privately pay again until um, you're down to a level where you can um, qualify for Medicaid. Well, again, guess what? Their job is not to help you get on Medicaid. Their job is to look at your application and to deny your application if they can find any way to do it. Um, so it's the exception to the rule when you find somebody at the Department of Social Services that's actually trying to help you with your financial needs. Um, so again, this is where folks uh, can get accurate information if, if they come to our seminar. But the bottom line is uh, you can do Medicaid planning uh, whether you're in the nursing home or not. And, and guess what? Medicaid planning is all about having the right documents. And so uh, now, before I get into documents, I, I should go into the next big Medicaid lie, okay? And that is, if I go on Medicaid, the state is going to take my home away. Well, your home is an exempt asset, So it's not going to disqualify you for Medicaid. So, okay, you're on Medicaid and you still own a home. There is uh, asset protection that needs to be done because there is what's called the Medicaid estate recovery. So when you, you die, if you've not done asset protection planning, then uh, it is possible that the state uh, will have a lien on your house, which has to be paid uh, through your estate at your death. So it's a half-lie. In other words, if you're – now, why might it make a difference? Well, if you're married and the community spouse, the healthy spouse, survives the person in the nursing home, there's no estate recovery on the home. But who knows who's going to die? Everybody raise their hands if they know that they're going to die before their spouse. Even if they're healthy, we don't know. So, again, planning is necessary to make sure that the home is protected. Now, if you're single, obviously you can't transfer your house normally in a normal way and not uh, create a penalty or sanction for Medicaid. But there are lawful and proper ways that you can, in fact, protect your house. Now, obviously, again, it takes help from a professional, an elder law attorney who knows how to do it without affecting your Medicaid eligibility. That's, that's a really important thing in terms of how you do your asset protection planning. But Medicaid, because it does have the recovery piece uh, added to it, it's always important to go into Medicaid uh, planning with two things in mind. 
how do we become eligible uh, for Medicaid, and how do we protect our assets at the same time? And good Medicaid planning involves both eligibility and asset protection. So it's really important for folks to understand uh, how that works. And I know we have to take a break, so then we can talk about the next big lie when we come back. We will do just that. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We are talking about the big lies of government assistance. And Bill, um, I know we've got plenty to cram in here in just a few minutes, so let's let's get back to it. Well, the the, the next misconception has to do with your legal documents. Now, uh, here again, I'm assuming that most people have at some point during their lifetime had legal documents done. Now, for most people, it's every 20 years or so, um, but uh, which is pretty unfortunate. But but the bottom line is is that there are an awful lot of folks who th- believe that when they had their documents done when they were in their 40s or 50s, uh, and they they had uh, a will done, and they had uh, powers of attorney done and the like, that those documents are effective and will basically take care of them, and they can do anything that they want to do uh, as they get older. The bottom line is, is that most seniors need different documents, different legal documents. Uh, I, I say this all the time, and it goes in one ear right out, out the other, and that is is that most seniors need an advanced general durable power of attorney. Most people think that any general durable power of attorney, uh, and, and they'll say, I got one of those. You know, at every seminar, I can say, who's got a general durable power of attorney? And 90% to 100% are going to raise their hands, got one of those. And they'll say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm set. And what I'm trying to tell folks is, no, you're not set. That power of attorney gives you very limited authority 99% of the time. And so unless you've had a document, uh, a power of attorney that is drafted by an experienced elder law attorney or someone who is steeped in elder law issues and asset protection and Medicaid planning and things like that, your general power of attorney is not going to allow you to do the kind of planning that you need. And you're going to end up in a guardianship even though you have some documents. And that's a real unfortunate thing because it's going to cost your family a heck of a lot more money to get where you want to be. And then, of course, the other big document that a lot of folks don't have right is they can change their last will and testament to do asset protection planning, protect their spouse, whether they're on Medicaid or not, and protect their children, which is an opportunity that many seniors miss. And they really don't have to miss it and shouldn't miss it. And uh, so the bottom line, it's it's there uh, for, for them. And I realize that I don't have a whole lot more time, but and of course, healthcare documents oftentimes should be updated as well. The laws have changed at least three different times in terms of having better healthcare documents. So most seniors should and actually 
have documents uh, redone when they get, uh, we know when once they get to retirement age or a little older, uh, they should have different documents than they had uh, in their early years or in their forties or fifties or even early sixties. Um, you know, it's it's kind of thing that it's just so important for folks because that's it's those documents that give seniors the ability to have greater independence and greater control in their senior years. And isn't that what we want? So That's that, what everyone wants. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Bill, uh, we've got a little bit of time here, and I know that you wanted to bring up a, a big lie when it comes to VA benefits. <laughs> well, the, you have to understand the, the VA is split up into three different agencies, if you get right down to it. It's a huge bureaucracy. And they're two of the three agencies are trying to do their best to help folks. Those are the that's the agency for the healthcare, the VHA, the hospital and healthcare side. They're trying to do the best they can. They're underfunded, unfortunately. You have the NCA. That's the folks who uh, do when you die. You have the the um, cemeteries and the flags. They do a great job. Unfortunately, the other big agency is the VBA. That's the benefits area. The big lies they're trying to help veterans, and the truth is, is that those folks are doing everything they can to deny veterans benefits. Uh, and it's unfortunately, I can talk about it next time, but it's really sad the way that the benefits area is just treating veterans. It's underfunded, and they try their as hard as they possibly can to keep people from getting what they should be entitled to. And you know, veterans deserve our support. This is the sore spot. This is the boil in the, <laughs> you know, it. bottom line, it really needs to change fundamentally from the top down in, in the VBA. Um, it's really sad the way they're treating veterans. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Bill. Uh, stick around, folks. We've got to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll tell you about an interesting new way that you can get some tips from Bill. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. I want to remind you, WGALaw.com is the place to go to find more information about Bill. That's WGALaw.com. You can also sign up for the December seminar. That's this uh, upcoming Wednesday. Actually, it's uh, two Wednesdays from now, December 12th. And uh, we're only doing two sessions this month, the morning session and the afternoon session, but we'll be back to three starting in January. And BillWGALaw.com is also the place to go to find your uh, your new podcast series that you have there filled with plenty of tips mm-hmm. that uh, people can subscribe to. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any other uh, marketplace where you get podcasts and um, some easy on-the-go tips from you, Bill. Well, a- absolutely. And, the, and, you know, folks can do the they can listen to the radio shows there or they can listen to the podcasts and the podcasts are t- typically somewhere 8 to 15 minutes uh, about one subject typically so the bottom line is they're helpful and I hope folks will enjoy it that's why we do it 
Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of good shareable tips on there. Maybe you know someone who's dealing with some of the issues that we've discussed today. And I know Bill has plenty of podcasts related to government assistance on his website, WGALaw.com. Well, we hope to cover uh, some more of these next week, and we hope you'll be here to join in, in on the fun as Bill shares his uh, wonderful knowledge with us. We always appreciate that. We are out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next week on Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend.